Hello, welcome to Two Broke Nerds, two friends talking about whatever the heck they want, because what else are we going to do during a pandemic? I'm Alec Kerr, and I'm a film geek. And I'm Brian McElhenney, and I'm a music geek. And this week, we are going to be discussing Sean Connery, who passed away on Halloween at the age of 90. Obviously, he's a huge icon and couldn't really let it pass without discussing him. Yeah, I, didn't, I forgot he passed away on Halloween. These last few weeks have kind of been in slow motion. But <laughs> yeah, Sean Connery. I am not a huge fan of Sean Connery. But obviously, as Alex said, he was an icon. And just, I mean, from James Bond alone, an actor, an artist worth celebrating. Yeah. And I guess James Bond is the obvious starting point. Just because he originated the role. And for a lot of people, he's still the best Bond. Right. He was in the role for how many films? Like four, five, six? Yeah, I was just talking about this with my wife, Ashley. He did five, I believe. And then he was just done with the role. And he said, I'll do it again if you pay me a million dollars. And they were like, okay, bye-bye. And they brought in George Lazenby for one film. Right. Go over well. So then they gave in and paid him the million dollars to come back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was an unofficial James Bond film where Sean Connery came back in 1983. Never say never. Uh Uh, But that is not considered canon. It's not one of the Broccoli productions. The way it worked out is that it's essentially a remake of the movie Thunderball because the rights to that story were available. So another film company produced it. They never say a lot of things in James Bond. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. One thing I read is that Bond, James Bond, was an improv by Sean Connery. Because in the script it was, I am James Bond, which he thought was lame because it is lame. So he just did the Bond, James Bond, and it took a few takes and eventually they found the right pause for it. And that's how that originated. Wow. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. The first movie he was in was a movie called Darby O'Gill and the Little People. Have you heard of this movie? No, no. I, I My knowledge of Sean Connery is like Indiana Jones, Dragonheart, and the, the, uh, the awful Japanese commercials he used to do. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go into those commercials, but continue. So it was this film that was made in 1959. It was a Disney film, and it's set in Ireland, and it's about this old town drunkard named Darby O'Gill, and he catches a leprechaun. It's a pretty good little movie, but his daughter's love interest is played by Sean Connery, who kind of does an Irish accent, because, but he always just kind of uses his own, his own accent and everything. But he actually right. sings in the movie. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just, it's kind of bizarre seeing Sean Connery in a Disney film like three years before he did James Bond. It just seems so out of place. Yeah, that's odd. That is odd, especially because of how well he became known for, for James Bond. Yeah, and only three years later, but it's just really interesting to see. I think he's like 29 years old. Like, yeah, yeah it's, just, it's just kind of odd seeing a young Sean Connery. Yeah. 
So when I was growing up in Okinawa, Japan, you used to see lots of commercials on Japanese TV that just had American stars in them for like for no reason. There was one I really liked that had Michael J. Fox. And there, it's this like father and son, this very white father and son fishing. It's a commercial for a fishing pole. And the son all of a sudden goes, look, it's Michael J. Fox. And he's using a so-and-so pole, you know, the name of the pole. You know, perfect product placement. And it pans over to Michael J. Fox. He's wrestling with this fish. He's like, come on, this is the only chance I've got. Or something like I don't know. It's just... (laughs) Oh, my God. Celebrity worship. So (laughs) the Sean Connery ones that I remember, and I think he did some coffee ones too, but the ones I remember were for cars. And always had him inside the car, like admiring the interior and driving. And it always had him saying, striking. Just that. <laughs> it was like all this Japanese voiceover, and then it would like close up on Sean Connery so he could say striking. That's amazing. And, I, and I'm pretty sure that Japanese people just like the way he says striking. Yeah, well, that's the that's the thing. Is it's not just a normal Scottish accent. He slurs his eshes, which just makes his accent and voice so specifically him. Yeah. Yeah. He was in the running to be Gandalf in the Lord of the Rings movies, but he turned it down because he didn't understand any of it. But every once in a while, I try to imagine, like, you shall not pass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I've, I've been doing that. Or, fly, you fools. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I've been doing in sort of in the same vein of what would it sound like if he was in this role, he was, I don't know if he was approached, but they wanted him for John Hammond in Jurassic Park. Oh, wow. So I've been doing Welcome to Jurassic Park. <laughs> or spared no expenses. <laughs> right? I think, I mean, because in the book, the description probably more closely matches Sean Connery. In fact, the, the description of Alan Grant cl- more closely describes Sean Connery <laughs> than, uh, than Sam Neill. <laughs> yeah, and you can kind of tell, at least in his first scene, that Richard Attenborough is trying to do a Scottish accent, and then he just kind of gives up on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it just becomes Richard Attenborough. But yeah, I don't know what, if he was even approached for that one, but it's so interesting with The Lord of the Rings, though, because he regretted not doing that. Yeah. And so he took what wound up being his last live-action role, A League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, because he didn't understand that one either, but he was like, well, Shit, I fucked up the last one. Oh. <laughs> and then he had such a terrible experience making that movie, that's, that's why he retired. Yep, I've, I, have, uh, I have heard that. <laughs> oh my God. And I, I guess I can't blame him for not understanding the books, because I've struggled with getting through them. They're really, really dense. But you right. think somebody would have advised him, like, like Sean, this, this is a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean it, it's Sean Connery. I don't think he gives a. I don't think he gives a shit about dragons and rings and elves yeah. and dwarves. Yeah. The other thing is he didn't want to go to New Zealand for eighteen months, which uh, fair. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm, I'm Sean fucking Connery. I don't want to go to New Zealand for fucking how long? <laughs> yeah. Eighteen months. Fuck that. I'm gonna stay <laughs> in the Bahamas because that's where he lived for the last like thirty years of his life or something. Right. <laughs> You want me to leave the Bahamas for where? Fuck off. 
<laughs> oh my god. The other thing, obviously, I think I'm a bigger fan of Sean Connery than you are, but yeah. for both of us, and I think for a lot of people, outside of James Bond, the cultural reference point is the Celebrity Jeopardy sketches that Daryl Hammond would do as Sean Connery. Yeah, yeah. Those are, those are uh, they have no bearing on reality at all, and they're amazing. No, uh, not, none of the characterizations really do, because, like, Norm MacDonald's Burt Reynolds is nothing like Burt Reynolds, but it's amazing. Right, it's just, it's just ridiculous characters that also happen to be celebrities for some reason. It's yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah. And I mentioned this when we talked about the Beatles, that the way I've learned to do different impressions is usually from watching somebody else do an impression. So I started doing Sean Connery because of Daryl Hammond doing Sean Connery. Yeah, yeah. And Daryl Hammond is a master of yeah. all impressions. So. The other person's voice that I, I used as a reference point was there's one line in Ace Ventura where Ace Ventura does a Sean Connery impression in this lovely party. Pity I wasn't invited. Yeah. <laughs> and so I would just repeat that over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah. It's a hint of the Scottish accent, but with that, with that schlud. With that schlur. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's really what you need to sell it, is the schlur. Yeah. The, the Sean Connery schlur. The last actual acting credit he has was a voiceover for a, a movie called Sir Billy, and it was the first feature-length animated film out of Scotland. And I oh. found it available for free. I started watching, like, five minutes of it, and I was like, nope, because it's one of those, like, no-budget animated films where the animation is terrible, the, and I read about it, the script is awful, and it's actually really sad because it opens with sean connery doing voiceover and his voice sounds so weak and i'm like oh i i can't watch this it's um, just gonna depress me yeah that's nah. but i get it like i i understand how they talked him into it because he loved scotland he was very patriotic in that regard so i'm yeah. sure they sold it to him as oh it's the first feature-length animated film from scotland and he was like oh okay yeah <laughs> uh you're obviously a bigger movie fan than I am. So you're, you're of course going to investigate these people, but I'm kind of more, we're of the generation where a lot of these people are more known as personalities than they are for their actual roles. Yep. And he's one of them, like Christopher Walken's another one where everyone loves to do the voice and has maybe seen like two Christopher Walken movies. in their life. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, it, it's funny how culture does that. And then of course the next gen generation is going to be like Sean who? Yeah. So uh, especially since he hadn't made a film in about 20 years, like 17 years, but call it 20 years. Yeah. And, but because he was James Bond and he was Indy's dad and he is fantastic yeah. in Last Crusade. Yeah. While being only 10 years older than his supposed son. Right. Um, yeah. Which is something I found out later. And it's like, What? <laughs> yeah, you totally buy it. I mean, it's just that whole suspension right. of disbelief thing. Like, if if you're sold on something, you just take it at face value. Yeah, I mean, Sean Connery for like all of my life has just been an old man. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, he's just he's just an old man. The same with like Christopher Lloyd. Like, they're just old men. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's all I know them as. So, uh -huh. so it's like, 
I'm not questioning that he's someone's dad. Right. Uh, and with, I think it's hard to say which one is your favorite with the Indiana Jones movies, especially since like Raiders is just so perfect. But I tend to lean towards Last Crusade being my favorite just because that dynamic between Harrison Ford and Sean Connery and their strained relationship and their story arc together is so emotionally resonant and their dynamic together is so funny that... The other Indiana Jones films don't really have that level of heart. And I think that just elevates that third film a lot. Sure. Yeah, I remember it being one of a handful of movies that we had on VHS when we first moved to Japan. So I think I may have overwatched that one a tad. Just mm-hmm. a tad. So, so yeah, I, I think it, it falls down for me because of that, because I've just seen it way too many times. But, but I agree with that in it having more heart than, and certainly Temple of Doom. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> well, and Temple definitely, had hearts in a different way. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, well, the, literally. Yeah, like heart. ripping them out of your chest, hearts. Kalima, yeah. <laughs> I, I like that one. I, you know, if we ever do that sequel episode... We'll, we'll we'll talk about that because I think it is uh, underrated. I don't think there was a bad Indiana Jones until the 21st century came around. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think, just as a sidebar here, I think what is good about Temple of Doom is that it's one of those sequels that is so completely different than what preceded it, which makes it, if you want the same formula, you're going to be like, oh my god, this is terrible. But right. otherwise, it's really great. Where Last Crusade is essentially Raiders with a different MacGuffin. Yeah, kind of, in a, in a way. Yeah, it shares a lot of the same setting. And yeah, yeah. This is sort of related to, to what the actual topic of the episode is about. When I was watching whatever the new one was called, Aliens and Shit. <laughs> Indiana Jones. What is it called? Indiana Jones and Aliens and Shit. Aliens and Shit, yeah. So I'm watching Aliens and Shit. And. <laughs> The moment I, like, finally accepted that I'm in the middle of watching a, a horrible Indiana Jones movie is when they panned uh, <laughs> to Sean Connery's photo. And you get, like, wizened old Harrison Ford going, if only Dad was here. And it's like, oh, my God, I'm in the middle of a horrible, horrible Indiana Jones movie. Yeah, like... I'd save us all. You don't even need that. You don't have to explain why he isn't there. You can just kind of assume that maybe he died. <laughs> Right? Yeah. It's not that big of a stretch. You don't need to explain why he's not there. Yeah. Just, yeah. He had shaking moments in that film that just kept piling them on. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's see. What else is there? Uh, I had a huge phase where I was a teenager, and I still like it a lot, with Highlander, which is an absurd film, but because you have immortals that the only way they can die is through decapitation. And it's such a ridiculous premise, but damned if Sean Connery doesn't just elevate and sell that movie because he's in it for maybe 30 minutes. He's like the mentor to the main character, but he fucking comes in and he steals the whole thing. (laughs) That's awesome. And the other thing, and I, as I mentioned earlier, like Sean Connery never does a different accent. He played a Russian, and he, he played a Scottish Russian, <laughs> you know, in The Hunt for Red October. But in Highlander, he is a Egyptian Spaniard, and 
the actual Highlander, the actual, actual Scotsman in the movie, is played by a Frenchman. So you have a Frenchman playing a Scot and a Scot playing a Spanish Egyptian. Nice. <laughs> it makes no fucking sense. It's great. That's, that's great. I, I think for me and anyone who's who has followed this podcast probably saw this one coming. What with all the dinosaurs and everything, I uh, I loved Dragonheart as a kid. Oh yeah, talking dragons. I'm I'm totally there. And then as we find out, I am the last one. Yes. So he's the, the very last dragon. Is uh, Sean Connery sound alike? Yep. And. I just wrote an article going through like all of at least the ones that I had seen of other roles other than James Bond that Sean Connery played the best ones. And when I wrote about Dragonheart, I was like, yeah, obviously if you're going to have a talking dragon, of course it's going to sound like Sean Connery. It makes perfect right. sense. It's the most natural thing imaginable. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I don't know where that, I, I don't care where that film falls in public perception. I know there's been a bunch of sequels that I, I don't care about because Sean Connery doesn't voice a dragon in them. Yeah. But that first one is fantastic. And not just for Sean Connery, there's a fantastic villain role for um, David Thewlis to just destroy the scenery. Yeah, and Pete Postlewith, I think his last name is pronounced. Yeah, yeah. He's great in that too, as the this storyteller that starts writing these epic poems about Draco the dragon, and he's just so freaking good. Yeah, yeah. And Dennis Quaid, he's maybe a little bit miscast as an, as an English warrior, but whatever, he carries it off fine. Yeah, it's kind of like the, I don't, he, do, he doesn't do an accent, does he? It, it, it's kind of like the Kevin Costner doing Robin Hood thing. It's like, well... We hired we hired Dennis Quaid and just have him be Dennis Quaid. Yeah, I think he tries a little bit. I think he fares a little bit better than Kevin Costner. Yeah. But speaking of Kevin Costner, Robin Hood, there's the great cameo at the end of the movie where uh, Sean Connery is Richard the Lionheart. That's right. Which I remember seeing that for the first time because I, I, we rented it on VHS and just my like my mom going fucking crazy when that happened yeah because she's like oh my god it's sean connery (laughs) and that is a perfect example of how to do like a great surprise cameo yeah yeah and also it acknowledges that sean connery played robin hood i believe in 1976 it was a movie called robin and marion and older middle-aged robin who's come back from the crusades and is trying to find Maid Marian. Maid Marian's played by Audrey Hepburn. And she's become a nun. And she, he's like, what the hell have you done? <laughs> and Robert Shaw is the sheriff of Nottingham. Hmm. And Ian Holm is King John. It's just, it's just a, a stacked cast. Wow. Yeah. And I can't remember his name. But the actor that play, played uh, Brody in the uh, Indiana Jones movies. He's Will Scarlet, and then Nicole Williamson, who played Merlin in Excalibur, is Little John. Uh-huh. So it's a really, like, great cast. And the movie itself is so-so, but the, the cast really sells it. Yeah. Sounds like it. And it's one of the, I think it might be one of the only live-action Robin Hood stories that does the actual end of the Robin Hood legend, where he shoots an arrow out a window and where the arrow lands is where he will be buried. Huh. 
and they actually do that. So I, as, cause I was a big Robin Hood fan as a, as a kid. So when I, uh, when I saw that, I was like, yay. <laughs> <laughs> and I had no idea that was even a thing. Cool. Yeah. I'm trying to think of other things that Sean Connery was known for that I know him for. Did you see I The should... Rock? No. I should, like, he just, he doesn't, he's not, I mean, clearly, he's like, I don't understand what Lord of the Rings is about. And it's like, well, that's kind of what I watch, so. Yeah, <laughs> get that. I hadn't seen the, the Rock in probably, like, 20 years and rewatched it the other day. And it is totally batshit fucking crazy. It is Michael Bay's second film, so his excess hadn't totally taken over. Yeah. And it's Nicolas Cage's first foray into action and oh, wow. Nicolas Cage just completely unhinged, just screaming the whole time! And then you have Sean Connery just being like, you just need to calm down. <laughs> That's amazing. And there's like a big line in the movie is like, like Nicolas Cage is like, I'll try. And he's just like, try. Losers try. Winners <laughs> Go home and fuck the prom queen. <laughs> oh. And you're just like, oh my god, like Sean Connery just said fuck the prom queen, and just like I never thought you'd ever hear that. Oh, it's incredible. I think you should try to like rent the rock from the like the library or something, because I think you'd get a kick out of it. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I did enjoy Armageddon. That was another movie that we had in Japan. And, uh, yeah, that movie is just batshit enough, and it's about space, so I enjoy that. Yeah. Yeah, this sounds like it's equally batshit in, like, a good Michael Bay way, not a bad yeah. Michael Bay. And, you know, it's... Nicolas Cage unhinged is always enjoyable, and then you pair him with Sean Connery? Gold. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's just incredible. I think I've seen some James Bond. I, like, I remember watching one of the... All I remember about watching it was that I watched it and enjoyed it while I was on. It was one of the new ones with Daniel Craig. Mm -hmm. And this was around 2007, 2008. And I watched it in my apartment and I enjoyed it. I was also very high. <laughs> so I didn't remember any of it. But like, it's not like I, I don't think I would have remembered it if I was completely sober. Like, I can't remember what it was called. All I remember is that there was some pretty cool stuff that happened on screen. But like, I wasn't invested in the story. Yeah, I mean, I think James Bond is. You either are into James Bond or you're not. Yeah, and yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I get it, I guess. And I think there are individual films that are stronger examples than others and that can work as, even if you don't like James Bond, you could like this film. Like, I think Goldeneye with Pierce Brosnan is one of those ones that even if you're not into James Bond, you're like, oh, wow, this is, this is a pretty well-made film. Sure. Oh, but what, what I did want to say, because I have been doing a, a binge watch of Sean Connery this last week, is that... Obviously, he had star power and charisma, but I, I noticed that he's a very generous actor because he was very often was paired with somebody else for a buddy dynamic. And no matter who he was paired with, it always worked, whether it's Harrison Ford and in Indiana Jones or Nicolas Cage in The Rock. He did a movie with Michael Caine called The Man Who Would Be King. He did a movie with Donald Sutherland called The Great Train Robbery. 
And no matter who he was paired with, or Christopher Lambert in Highlander, no matter who he was paired with, he had tremendous chemistry. Yeah. You don't think of him as being a buddy actor, but he really was. And he just found a way to bring out the best in whoever he was with. And I don't think he gets enough credit for that. Yeah. Trying to think of other films that... Oh, fucking Zardoz. Zardoz is one of the weirdest fucking movies you will ever see. He made it in 1974. He he did it because it was three years after he did his return to Bond film. But after he got that million dollar price tag, nobody wanted to hire him because that was his price tag now. So for three years, he didn't have any work. So he did this bizarre sci-fi film set in the distant future where... The wealthy have walled themselves off and have become immortal somehow, and they don't have any sexual pleasure or anything. And then you have all these barbarians, and Sean Connery is one of the barbarians, and there's this giant floating stone head that pukes out guns. And it's cool. a weird fucking movie, and it it's, needs to be seen to believe. Sounds like it. <laughs> yep. It's one of those films where it's 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 definitely not good but you can't stop watching it huh <laughs> it's really hard to come by but if by any chance you have an opportunity to watch Zardoz watch it because it's one of the most strange experiences you'll ever have he did do an Alfred Hitchcock film called Marnie that's worth checking out he did that in 1964 so that was two years into him doing James Bond and so he'd gotten some clout, and he said, I want to do a film with Hitchcock. And so initially, they wanted him to do kind of like a spy movie. And he's like, no, no, I don't want to do a spy film. I don't want to get typecast. And so what he wound up doing was playing a businessman who becomes obsessed with this thief that's trying to steal money from him. And she's got all this emotional baggage. And so he falls in love with her and is trying to fix her it's worth checking out if you're into hitchcock but yeah i think that just about covers it at least from our end we got this sequel episode we keep talking about we might get to it next week but you you know something else might happen so who knows yeah, you it never might know. be our lost episode it could be it could be we might just do that anyway just to fuck with you yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah we're still broke and we're still nerds and Come be nerdy with us again next time. <laughs>